The Guardian. Here's one for you. What has four legs, 300 million olfactory receptors, and can detect COVID-19 in under a second? Since the pandemic began, there's been a growing amount of research into whether dogs could be used to sniff out people infected with coronavirus. Now, back in an October 2020 episode of Science Weekly, Nicola Davis looked at some early proof-of-concept research on this from a team in France who were using dogs to smell sweat samples. And this week, a new double-blind study in the UK has added to the evidence that specially trained canines could be a powerful way to hunt out the virus, demonstrating that dogs are faster than PCR tests and more accurate than lateral flow tests. From The Guardian, I'm Anand Jagatia, and this is Science Weekly. Here to tell us more about the study is Linda Geddes, the Guardian's science correspondent. So Linda, you went to the place where where this trial was carried out, and I'm pretty jealous. You got to make some new friends. I did some very cute and fluffy friends. So I went up to the Medical Detection Dogs Training Centre, which is just outside Milton Keynes in the countryside up there, to meet two of the dogs that have been trained to sniff out COVID. So the two dogs I met were called Tala and Millie. Tala is a really beautiful young Labrador and Millie is an unusual looking red golden retriever. So I'm going to ask you about the the results from the study in a second, but this research is actually part of a much bigger field of work that looks at whether dogs can be used to detect lots of different kinds of diseases. Yeah, absolutely. So medical detection dogs was established in about 2008. Following the discovery by Claire Guest, who's their chief scientific officer, the dogs could identify people who had cancer. So she did a study uh, which included one of her own dogs, Daisy, where they gave, I think it was six dogs, samples of urine that had either come from people with bladder cancer or healthy individuals. And they showed that the dogs could distinguish between them so they could identify people who had bladder cancer. Um, So since then, the charity was set up and they've been investigating lots of different diseases. So they're still looking at cancer, but they're also looking at Parkinson's. They're looking at whether dogs can sniff out hospital acquired infections like C. difficile. And they've also recently done a study in malaria where they've shown that dogs can identify people who are infected with malaria by sniffing their clothing and their socks, which I think is fascinating. Um, but, But apart from the kind of immediate disease detection, these dogs are also trained as companion dogs for people with type 1 diabetes and various other endocrine disorders um, and I think severe allergies as well. And the dogs are used to basically alert these patients when something in their body has changed, meaning that they need to take immediate medical action. So for instance, with type 1 diabetes, the dogs can the dogs can tell when their owner's blood sugar drops and the dogs alert them. I mean, when you think of sniffer dogs being used to detect drugs, you can kind of understand how that works. But the fact that they can, you know, tell somebody about their their blood sugar level or whether they've got Parkinson's disease, that's just amazing. I mean, do, do we know what they're actually even smelling, what it is that they're detecting? 
Not really. We don't really know what they're smelling. Um, when it comes to a disease like COVID, which is caused by a virus, we don't really know whether it's the virus itself or, or the dead virus that they're smelling, or whether it's the body's response to the virus. It could be that the virus changes our biologies temporarily in some way, and that's what the dogs are picking up on. I mean, anecdotally, I think some doctors working in COVID wards have said that there's a smell that they, you know, a kind of unique smell when they walk onto COVID wards. And maybe the dogs are picking up on something similar. It'll be fascinating, I guess, in the future to if we do figure out what the dogs are smelling, we could use that information maybe to build our own sort of robotic sensors. Yeah, definitely. And there are artificial noses that are being developed precisely for that, for, you know, for cancer. Um, and, and actually, dogs aren't the only animals that can do this. In certain parts of Africa, they use rats to detect landmines and also to diagnose TB infections. But um, rats, I asked about this, and those rats would not be so kind of, apparently they don't survive very well in the UK. And also, it wouldn't necessarily be kind of culturally acceptable to have a rat running across the airport in, um, in London. Uh, I'm not sure it would be in Africa either, but, but I'm definitely happier that there's going to be dogs at airports rather than rats as a rat phobic. <laughs> so in, in principle, the reason why any of this works, whether with rodents or with dogs, is because those animals just have an incredibly powerful sense of smell. Yeah, they absolutely do. So dogs have, you know, the way we detect smells is through olfactory receptors in our noses. And whereas we have about 5 million of these receptors, dogs have up to 300 million. And, you know, humans are, are visual creatures. We mostly rely on our eyes to help us make sense of the world and get around and protect ourselves. But dogs are very uh, smelly creatures. I mean, they use smell. <laughs> They can, they're often smelly, but they but they're they're very reliant on their on their noses to find things and retrieve things, um, and actually thirty percent of dogs' brains are devoted to processing the signals from those smell receptors in the nose, so yeah, they are very very sensitive to scent. So last year when we looked uh, at COVID sniffer dogs on Science Weekly, we heard that it took the the researchers about ten weeks to train the animals. How did they go about uh, the training process in this latest trial? What dogs did they use and what is it that makes a good COVID dog detector? So in this specific trial, the dogs that they used were a mixture of Labradors, Golden Retrievers and a Cocker Spaniel. Um, some of the dogs have been kind of born into this line of work. Um, so they've been bred and, and raised by the charity from from puppyhood, um, whereas others are actually rescue dogs that have been donated from um, animal rescue charities. So the way they train dogs to do this kind of medical detection work is that they, they have this stand system. So they put scraps of clothing or material impregnated with the odour into these tiny jam jars, like the, like the kind of jam jars you get if you have a pot of marmalade at a hotel. Um, and these jars are kind of clamped onto these dog-nosed height stands and then there's this metal grill that goes over the top of them so the dog can't you know inhale the bit of fabric but they can smell the molecules coming off it and what happens is the dog kind of goes up to each of these stands gives it a really quick sniff I mean the whole thing is over it within seconds um, and if it's not the target odor then they move on and if it is the target odor then they make some sort of signal to their handler 
So the kind of training process, it's kind of done through positive reinforcement. So the dog will get a reward if they get anything right, basically. They're not punished for doing things wrong. Um, and the rewards, the rewards differ depending on the dogs. So they kind of figure out what the dog's really into. So some dogs are really into food. And in that case, you'd give them a little doggy treat if they get it right, just a tiny little treat. Um, and other dogs respond better to toys. So if they get it right, then they might be given a ball to play with, which is quite, you know, it's quite nice. And also, you know, another big part of the training is figuring out what the dog's tell is because different dogs do different things so millie which is um the golden retriever i met when she smells the target odor she'll sit down and make this kind of funny whining noise it's kind of kind of goes mm -hmm. <laughs> um whereas whereas tala doesn't do that his cue is a bit more subtle he just stands still and starts wagging his tail in a kind of different way kind of faster kind of way so each of the dogs does different things and that's part of the training is figuring out what the communication thing is so linda can you tell us a bit more about the actual trials so what did the researchers actually do so this COVID trial was a collaboration between the University of Durham, the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine and medical detection dogs. And what they were doing was seeing whether dogs can accurately distinguish between clothing that's been worn by people who are infected with COVID and people who have not had the virus or are not infected. And to do the study, they actually asked volunteers, both members of the public and NHS staff, to send in used masks, used face masks, um, t-shirts and socks. And they use these as training tools, um, you know, so the dogs learned to distinguish between stuff that had been worn by people who tested positive and negative for COVID. I think that the training took six to eight weeks. And then the way they tested whether the dogs could do this accurately was that they, you know, they use the stand system and they ask, they send the dogs in and the dogs are given several blank samples and a COVID sample. And they're looking to see whether the dogs get the target scent and they don't mistakenly identify one of the one of the blanks by mistake. Whenever we talk about how good or accurate these kinds of tests are, the numbers can sort of sound simple, but actually that's a bit deceptive. So there are two different things that scientists are interested in when it comes to, to assessing how good these tests are and how useful they are. Yes, that's right. So we're talking about sensitivity and specificity. Let's say if you have 98% sensitivity, that means that out of 100 people who are infected with COVID, the dog gets it right 98 out of the 100 times. Specificity is kind of more relevant to having a low risk of false positive results. There, if you have a specificity of 95%, that means that if you have 100 people who do not have COVID, the dog will identify 95 of them accurately as not having COVID, if that makes sense. Yeah, so so if you have a test that's really really sensitive, it means that you have you don't miss any real cases of COVID nineteen. But if you just say yes to everything, then you can have a hundred percent sensitivity, but it's not really much use because you're letting everyone through that doesn't have the virus. So you want the dogs to be really really sensitive and and pick up as many cases as possible, but you also want them to be specific and only flag real infections and not just flag anything that smells of anything. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well done. You've done a much better job of you've done a much better job of describing that than me. Yeah, you want something that's highly sensitive but also very specific. So in this trial, what they found was that the dogs, their sensitivity was ninety four percent and their specificity was ninety two percent, and those are actually very high. Of course, these are early results and the study hasn't yet been peer reviewed. So we should be a little bit cautious about the kind of figures on the specificity and sensitivity, but it's at least encouraging and suggests that they are pretty accurate at what they do. So um, PCR tests, which are the ones where you have your throat swabbed and then it goes off to a lab for processing. They are more sensitive. They have about 97% sensitivity and they are about 90% specific so they're actually a little bit less specific than um, than the dogs um, but the problem with those PCR tests even though they're extremely accurate is that they take time so you can't you can't I mean this is the problem you, you know people coming in from airports you give them a PCR test and then they have to quarantine for several days just till you wait until you get the result back but I think also really importantly you know then you have lateral flow tests which are really really quick and you get the result within 30 minutes um, but they are a lot less sensitive so their sensitivity is between 58 and 77 percent which means you're missing a lot of people who actually are infected with the virus and so they're given a negative result and then they go off and infect other people so you know so the dogs are great they're not as sensitive as pcr tests but they're a lot lot faster so these are early results but how do they translate from this trial in the lab to the real world because in the real world, there's going to be loads of stuff going on. There's going to be lots of other smells, loads of distractions. How well do we think that the dogs would fare in, in a real situation? Yeah, so the next stage is to do another another trial where rather than just distinguishing between bits of material, um, they will have people who have you know, the smell on them, kind of walking past them in the line. The dogs will be tested on their ability to pick up the odour from people as they walk past them. You know, just as Border Force sniffer dogs that detect drugs and explosives do, you know, they're not they're not detecting the scent on a kind of on a stand in a in a sterile room. They are sniffing people in real life situations where there are other distractions in the room. So, you know, the fact that those dogs do already exist for detecting drugs and explosives. I think gives us hope that this kind of approach could be used, but they still need to test this in the context of COVID. And those tests have already started. So hopefully we should get those results quite soon. I think it's important to say that these wouldn't replace PCR tests. So the idea would be that you maybe roll these dogs out at airports and anyone they identify as potentially being infected with COVID would then be asked to undergo a PCR test and quarantine while awaiting the results. So it's about making the process more efficient, really, and sort of funneling people that could be um, infected into getting PCR tests. It's a much more efficient way of doing it. So at the moment, you know, if you have people flying in from a red list country like India, they all have to take PCR tests at, at various points and they all have, also have to go into hotel quarantine for, for, for a week or so. And that's really you know that's really impractical it causes a lot of problems for travelers it's very expensive and if you did it this way round you would still be asking a small number of people to quarantine but maybe 3 people on the flight rather than 300 people from the flight 
This all sounds really positive, but are there any limitations to, to using dogs like this? The good thing about these lateral flow tests, the quick turnaround tests, is that you can just manufacture millions of them and you can use them all the time. Whereas the dogs might be a bit better, but also they're like living things and they get bored and, and they get tired and they get hungry. Yes, they do. And they have to have regular breaks. Um, yes. So, I mean, that's the main limitation of this way of testing people is that you're never going to be able to train enough dogs to test every single pump person coming off every single flight to every single airport. And then, you know, you also might use these dogs at, at live music venues or sports venues. And that, that would just be impossible um, and not to mention they also need a handler so you then you need, need need to recruit large numbers of handlers um, so that's a kind of key limit of the of the technique and and also they take a lot of training you know it takes eight to ten weeks to train a dog um, and at the moment the way they train the dogs is using samples of scent that have been collected from individuals and there's you know a limited number of those samples available so one thing they're doing to try and increase the number of animals they can train is they're trying to earlier on we talked about working out exactly what it is that the dogs are detecting so they're, they're trying to work out what exactly the molecules are that the dogs are picking up in these people who are infected with covid and once they know that they might be able to create what they call a pseudo scent you know a kind of artificially manufactured aroma of covid that they could um they could mass produce and that would enable far more dogs to be trained um more quickly but even then you know there's there's a kind of limitation on the number of animals and handlers that you could have so realistically the way this would be used would be that you would have you know you would have a, a squad of covid dogs at an airport and they would be targeted to high risk flights or high risk individuals coming off those flights so what's next then? Will it be long, do you think, before the hounds are released and um, we see dogs being used in this way at airports and things like that to try and flag potential cases? I mean, it's early days in the, in the sense that they still need to do these studies in real people. But the organisation Medical Detection Dogs is already in conversation with the government and actually the study was um, part funded by the Department of Health and Social Care. So they have a kind of strong interest in, in the potential use of this. And actually the UK is not at all the only country that is training dogs in this way. So France, um, Lebanon, Finland. In fact, Finland has already kind of tried these dogs at Helsinki Airport, I think. And I, and I believe the World Health Organization has also been in touch with medical detection dogs and the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine uh, to find out more about what they're doing and, and what their early results are. So there's a lot of interest in using this and I wouldn't be at all surprised if we did start to see these COVID sniffer dogs at airports in the near future, if we, you know, if we start going to airports again, that is. Yeah, well, Linda, thanks so much for talking to us about this. And uh, also, well done. You showed a lot of self-restraint and you didn't use a single pun that was related to pooches or dogs in the whole of this interview. So, yeah, great work. Hey, there's lots to be sniffed at, those puns. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, I don't know. You can read Linda's piece on the COVID sniffer dog study and all of our reporting on the coronavirus pandemic at theguardian.com. You can also find the previous episode that we did on canine coronavirus detection. And if you want to get in touch with the show, we'd love to hear from you. It's scienceweekly at theguardian.com. 
That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. We'll be back on Thursday. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts. Listener.